welcome to Media Roots Radio. This is Abby Martin. And this is Robbie Martin. Wow, so there's been so much crazy stuff going on, uh, non-stop discussion about the Trump allegations, the tape, um, the debate was insane, and obviously the Podesta emails and the leaked Hillary, Hillary Clinton uh, transcripts from her speeches that we've all been waiting for. So a lot to cover, a lot to go over, but I wanted to preface this conversation by talking about a personal um, story that relates to this whole Russia thing. Um, because I worked for RT, and people confuse me with Liz Wall or maybe don't understand my full story. They just know me as the anchor who spoke up on RT. I've gotten contacted by three large media organizations in the past, like almost within 72 hours, but it happened about two weeks ago. Um, yeah. All uh, prodding me to discuss um, completely false things. And it really shows you that these media officials, it's not like some big conspiracy to lie. It's that these people actually think and believe in the new Cold War. Um, I wanted to talk about one of them in particular um, that I actually talked on the phone to Samantha B from Comedy Central. You know, the, her producer, the feminist, right? yeah, her, this progressive feminist character who's supposed to be making fun of everyone. Well, her producer wrote me, and at first I thought, oh, cool, like they're going to ask me to be on the show. Very naive, right? So instead, yeah. the producer called me, set up this phone call with me, and I was just like, hey, man, what's going on? And he was like, I just wanted your insight about Russian media. And I was like, oh, fuck. Um, great. What do you want to know? And he just like went off about, you know, you're the girl who said that you can't whitewash Putin's crimes. And I was like, well, first of all, <laughs> that was Liz Wall. I never said that. Wow. And I was just like, and I simply, and I explained to him why I spoke out about the coverage, like in particular, how like I would disagreed with all of the coverage, including RT's coverage. And I was like, I feel like it's one of those situations where you don't know who's telling the truth because there's so many conflicts of interest and you don't know the real story, blah, blah, blah. And then he basically just started getting a little bit defensive and me too, because I realized that he was trying to get information out of me about RT and, and make me say all this stuff that was completely false, Liz Wall style. And he just kept saying... He was bringing up the fact that Putin obviously hacked the DNC and wanted to shape the election. And I was just like, why would Putin be interested in hacking the DNC and shaping the election? I was trying to explain to him that I thought that made zero sense and that this whole like fear mongering against Russia is actually bolstering Putin's favorability in the country and popularity. And he was like arguing with me saying um, that's ridiculous. And then he was like, you know, in Russia, because I was explaining to him very um, carefully how Russian media is actually no different than U.S. media and that the corporate media is actually more scary because it's not funded directly by the U.S., yet they parrot everything the U.S. establishment says. And I was like, don't you find that like bad? And I was just like, I'm just a little alarmed that all these people, including you and Samantha B, are just going along with this narrative, totally unquestioning our oligarchy our um, inequality here and our media control. I was like, our media is completely controlled, you know, said the whole six corporations control 95% of what we see here and read 90%. And he was just like, well, at least it's not like in Russia where Russian officials are just telling media officials what to say. And I was like, well, not too far off considering that people have been fired for simply criticizing yeah. the war. And they aren't, that the, the, the crazy thing is they aren't. I mean, there's even papers in Russia that are Russian state funded that the people, they probably believe they have editorial control. And we know people still who work for RT out here and Sputnik who curate all of their own content. Right. For the most part. Right. So it's like for people to have this dumbed down of a view of it is really disturbing. Yeah. I mean, it's just really shocking that people are so 
eager to believe that it's all some kind of like grand conspiracy the Russian government is filtering shit down. In reality, they find they're they're decent at hiring people who have an adversarial position towards the US government. That's the best case you can make, really. It's such I mean, it's such a reach, Robbie, and it was so funny at first when he was just like, Well, Sam and I are going to Russia and I was like, Oh great. Oh, I can't like, wait to see that bizarre so ass Russia phobic nineteen fifties bullshit. It's like Shane that is Smith. So dude. From Dude. Vice being like, I'm at the Kremlin. And it's like, boom, boom, boom. God, what uh, a bunch of psychotic cold warrior morons. This is another thing that he said that was really interesting. It gives you some fascinating insight into these media officials, though, you know, because like this is the only person I actually talked to on the phone. And I'll tell you, the other two were equally as bizarre, if not more blatant. Um, but this guy, I actually told him, I was like, you know, everyone has this cartoonish depiction of what Russian media is. And I was like, it's actually not cartoonish. And it's not like we're sitting down at a round table with Putin. I was like, I did everything myself. I was like, in fact, there was a couple times that we we steamrolled our producers because we were able to pave so much freedom that you would never see on any U.S. network. I was like, so if anything, the story is not black and white. And I really hope that you, um, you know, like take off your blinders a little bit and see this. But one funny thing that he said was when I said, why would Putin be trying to shape our election? He was like, well, he loves he loves Trump's position on NATO. And I was like, well, James Woolsey um, is his advisor and he's a neocon. I was just like, you're I, I just can't even believe that that's like what your frame of reference is. That because yeah. Trump has said one thing about NATO, that like Putin would somehow be ordering hackers in the country to hack the DNC to somehow shape the public perception in favor of Trump. It's bullshit. It's, it's such bullshit. Unfounded. Here's this really sad, obvious part is John Podesta's Twitter account was just hacked and they posted like a silly, a bunch of silly tweets on it. He's probably using the same password for everything. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it's like, why would the why would the leap be? And this is the thing, it's a distraction because I went. I, so I went on unauthorized disclosure with Kevin Gastola and Rania to talk about how they're trying to confuse the public mind into thinking that even if these were Russian hacks, like that originated from Russia, that the leak is not related to it. Right. They might. The DNC has been hacked several times over the past three years right. that's been established just like any big organization has had attempted hacks done to it that is not the same as wikileaks leaking leaked emails it is extremely likely that it's an insider or that someone did not have very good passwords right it's pretty pretty basic right so to think that someone would have to hack to get that information is shockingly childlike and I cannot believe that so many people are falling for it oh it's it's almost everyone including most progressives and and i wanted to before we move on to the podesta stuff and and the debates and everything else bbc was i think the most shocking um once again some guy named mike from the bbc reached out to mike my partner and producer and was just like hey i mike from the bbc doing like this feature we want to include abby in this feature story and i was like oh what's this going to be about and i already just knew i mean obviously anything coming from the bbc is not going to be good um, especially considering that they censored an entire interview that I did pre-recorded with them during this whole Russia thing, you know, and by censored, you mean they did not air they it. They did not because, air it at all. Because they, they couldn't it edit completely. it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's how fucking news. stupid yeah. they are. And then they like denied even doing it. I was like, that's funny. So this is, this is from him. I'm not going to read the entire email because it's long, but the best part of it is he says, I'm looking into links between far left and right 
far-right activist movements in the U.S. <laughs> and the Russian government. It's slightly hazy at the moment, but I can say that I've seen some evidence of, of groups or people potentially being funded by the Russian government. Well, here's the, here's the interesting thing about this email that's different from some of the pushes that we're seeing right now. Is Okay, so at first when I read his email, I thought, oh, he's just trying to try, tie Trump to Russia, like the Russian media right, is behind right. him. But in reality, what he's doing is he's trying to figure out a way to marginalize the, the right-wingers who are like anti this shit and the left-wingers. Right. Pretty much any people on the right or left who are intelligent enough to see through this who are pushing back against it, he's trying to figure out a way to make them say, make them look like they're all unwitting Trump Russian agents or and something. It, and isn't it interesting also <laughs> that this guy's acting like, well, of course this per- person couldn't be pro-Trump. Right, because it's like this small elite bubble of people who are so fucking detached from what society is. And I'm not saying that like there's a lot of reasons to support Trump. I'm saying the reasons to actually hate Hillary yeah. are so vast. And this guy's so dumb and detached that he's actually like, well, clearly, you know, I think it's really weird that like someone working for RT likes Trump. So clearly, he's literally getting paid by the Russian government directly, not just for his job, but to promote Trump on social media. That's, That's how insane this is getting. And the sad thing is, in reality, I'd be willing to bet you that most people who work for RT are probably just going to vote for Hillary. Of course. I mean, they, just because most of them are more like Democrat voters anyways, like from what I remember visiting the office. So it's like, it's such weird made up bullshit. Oh my God. And it's such dangerous rhetoric they're putting out. It's That's this, the really weird part. It's the people like, who don't watch RT and they just believe this the talking points about it because really the flagship shows on RT are Tom Hartman and now Mike Papantonio and Ed Schultz. They're all like relatively mainstream progressive journalists that ha- that are obviously anti-Trump. They probably have said worse things about Trump than many people, you know, and they're yeah. like the three flagship shows on there. So it's, it's totally it's, astounding and unfounded. Well, it's fascinating that they have to cherry pick so hard to find these supposed pro-Trump right. proof that, that Putin is pro-Trump by finding like a little article here in Sputnik a little article here on Russia Insider, uh, like a like a thirty second soundbite from RT. So where's the rest of it? Right, exactly. Where's the rest of exactly. all of this shit from all these Russian media channels saying that they like Trump? It's not there. It doesn't exist. And to say that it's it's weird or crazy that someone who works for RT would would be supporting Trump. He's running for president. <laughs> He's one of the two choices. What does that even mean? People, that's what, you're totally right. These people are in a bubble. I know plenty of people in real life who say they're voting for Trump. Right. They're not, they're real people. They're not being paid by Putin. <laughs> it's just, it's so, so sad. Crazy. I can't believe it. And during the debate when, and I'm happy that Trump said this, look, Trump is a pig and I'm going to talk about the allegations, the sexual stuff in a second, but I will say that he brought up some damning points in the debate that we're a hundred percent on. And one of them was that Russia, there's no proof that Russia hacked the DNC. And I'll, and you know, I said this in the post debate coverage that I did for Telesaur, but I got bombarded with Hillary Clinton supporters saying like, you're like, wake up, do your homework. It's been confirmed by the FBI. And I was like, oh, no shit. And um, I was just like, really? I was like, can you send me the link? Or I just like looked it up. I was like, where, where what is this new FBI proof that's been posted? And they're like, you don't even know what's happening. And I looked it up and it was like, oh, okay, nope. Definitely untrue. And I'll read you exactly what it says. Um, It says that it says FBI agents have approached a small number of people. Basically, allegations coming from anonymous sources connected to the FBI. So there is an FBI probe. 
and they just put it out there. We know how this works. They put it out in the in the press. There's no proof um, to ki- start the whisper campaign. This obviously happened a long time ago. And now that the FBI has started this probe, somehow people are like, whatever, they've proven that it was Russia. End of story. It's like, no, that's not the way it actually works. Um, it takes months to investigate these things. In this article that you're actually telling me I'm an idiot for not n- knowing what this article says, the article says nothing. It says FBI probes hacks. According to sources, not even according to the officials within the FBI, anonymous sources connected to the FBI says that they may have come from Russian-backed hackers, not even the Russian government, actually just hackers in Russia. There's so many things wrong with this picture, and I don't understand when critical thinking just flew out the window. Because like you were saying before, I think that this is actually worse than post 9-11. Like, um, I I agree, and that's what's so, that is what's so scary about it, Abby. I thought post-9-11 was really scary, and people were rightfully scared of the Bush administration and the media's weird collusion and pushing for war, but nobody right now seems to be screaming about it. Like, it's, it's everybody that we, you know, I'm not saying that Democrats are our friends, but people, like, I just would have never expected this to happen to them so hard like right. this. It's really, really scary. And I don't know how we can come back from it. To me, that's the more disturbing part. Like, where do we go from here? How can you reel this back? I mean, it's I mean, gotten really bad. And 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 on top of this, I just read, it's like getting to the point of absurdity, actually, where um, U.S. diplomats got belligerently drunk at some meeting in Russia, and then they, like, I don't know, blacked out. And they basically claimed that the Russian government drugged them with the date rape drug. I mean... It's just it's getting to the point of just absurdity where now like the U.S. is just like U.S. accuses Russia of drugging diplomats with date rape drug. I was like, is this actually happening right now? It's really hard to believe. It seems like spy v. spy, like absurdity, you know. Here's what Christopher Hayes, better read a conversation between Glenn Greenwald and Christopher Hayes. It's it's shocking. Um, So. Glenn Greenwald starts with a tweet saying the inevitable outcome of all the rhetoric floating around that it says he tweeted full report. NBC News has learned the CIA is preparing a major unprecedented cyber attack against Russia. And then Christopher Hayes responds, the rhetoric plus the fact the government appears to believe Russia has engaged in cyber sabotage. And then Glenn Greenwald responds, is that what the government believes? And Chris Hayes says, it's absurd. I think there's a lot of space between, of course, it's the Russians, and obviously, it's not the Russians. Uh, okay. Isn't that just shocking? It's like weird. Like, like he's trying to like add. He's trying to act like the hysterical. The hysteria is nuanced or something. Like it's not. It's like, dude. It's just, anyways. I haven't heard one person on MSNBC or any other network say it might not be Russians. Or, or just or just like strump passionately arguing saying why are we talking like right. this right now we need to draw this shit back dude right like why isn't anybody like being alarmist in that regard on what TV? is glenn what did glenn greenwald say that that we're planning a cyber attack yeah there's an there is an article the cia i guess anonymously wanted people to know that they're planning a major cyber offensive against russia Yeah, that was just, I just saw the tweet. It was like from a, about an hour That's ago. That's incredible. And as we know, cyber warfare is perpetrated the most by the U.S., also regime change and also usurping foreign governments and undermining the democratic processes of every country in the world. That doesn't cowtail to its interests. So it is quite interesting that we have the audacity and the gall to stand up there and say, Russia, 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 Russia. It's like, dude, look in the fucking mirror. 
Yeah. And it's and it's just so funny too because it's like the things that are coming out are all tr- they're, it's like they're just embarrassments for Hillary Clinton who's not even in office in government. So it's right. like for the U.S. to respond to something like that, even if it were true, let's say in theory, with a cyber attack on Russia is fucking it's absurd. <laughs> but that's how we operate. So I mean, it's actually not that absurd. That's it's. Kind of, I mean, are you surprised that they no, would do that? No, and I'm not surprised by this next thing that you that you wrote about the the news story, like almost hinting that Russia is going to like nuclear, have a nuclear attack against us. Yeah, and the weird thing, so there's a story I saw on Zero Hedge, which has been putting out some more questionable things lately. They used to be a little better, um, but like some of it's kind of infowarsy. But they're basically claiming um, they're hyping up this. Russian website article saying that like children who are studying abroad or people who are studying abroad in Russia should return home. And they basically take one of the things out of the article saying that um, there might be a big war like that might be on the horizon or something. But most of the article they originally appeared is not even about that. But basically the reason I wanted to mention this is because it's already sort of taken float in the U S media as like proof that the Rus- Russian government is like preparing some kind of attack on the United States, or it's like tr- trying to drum up hysteria about that. And then this next story was a, a more obscure one, but this uh, website called The National Interest ran a story about how Russia has developed drone submarines that, ha- that can carry nukes. <laughs> so let's say, let's say the craziest thing ever happens and a drone bombs something somewhere. Who's going to be blamed for it? Right. You know? That's insane. So, and then CNN is now running articles that sound like things that we've been saying on the podcast for the last two years. So, like, finally the wall has broken down. And the actual CNN article headline here um, says, Russia, U.S. move past Cold War to unpredictable confrontation." And of course, they mention nuclear wow. weapons several times in the article. Oh my I mean, God. so oh my this God. is this is all really happening. I mean, it feels like it's not. It feels like a crazy nightmare. Well, it feels like real. it gets crazier every day. When we were um, together in Iceland, the leaked audio recording came out that it, the, the Clinton camp had obviously been sitting on for months because, as WikiLeaks just tweeted today. They were joking uh, amongst themselves of putting out a fake Craigslist ad and pretending to be Donald Trump and saying one of the features is I'm going to grope you under the table and shit. So like this is something that they were they've been sitting on. They've been waiting for it to be at, at prime time when Trump is kind of spiraling out. Um, and that's obvious, you know, this happened a long time ago, what in the nineties or something or the Wait, early 2000s? About the groping, the, I'm talking the about Billy the, Bush the tape. Yeah. Yeah. The, the Billy Bush. No, tape. that came out in 2005. Okay. 2005. Um, but that's how long, I mean, I'm sure that they'd done their research. What else is she going to spend like almost a billion dollars on, you know, trying to defeat this guy? Obviously they knew about this. They've been waiting it out. This is the October surprise, probably the first of many. Um, and of course, Trump being Trump can't help himself, but to defend, all these accusations and he just says the most crazy shit. He's like, this woman wasn't attractive enough to, to do this to. It's just like, Oh my God, you're so horrible. <laughs> like, you know, just the most misogynist stuff in response. Oh, yeah. He just he keeps digging a hole. He said, it's locker room talk. <laughs> it's not lock. Nobody. I mean, 
I'm not saying that people in locker rooms don't say really lewd things about women, but like there aren't very many like people in locker rooms who like talk about how they're so powerful they can just grab women in the pussy. Like yeah. that takes a special level of like celebrity elitist to be able to like not only do that but to talk like that. And I mean, they're and he's probably right. I mean, that's the sad part. They're, oh, of it course. probably does. You were incredibly powerful in your position of celebrity, and. The fact that he responded immediately saying that this is not as known, nowhere near as bad as what Bill Clinton has told me on Dude. the golf course was just like, boom. The, but at the same yeah. time, the guy is insane. I right. mean, he really does seem like he's got, and like he, they've gotten under his skin and you could tell he's like, suff, like he's mentally spiraling out because of it. Yeah. I mean, at first I think that they were friends and now that he's seen what the Clinton camp will do, like he has... He's gone balls to the wall and and putting Bill Clinton's sex sexual assault victims on display like an hour before the debate was, I think, the most insane thing I've seen in the election cycle so far. Like, really? I mean, I didn't even believe when I saw that. I was like, this didn't happen. Like, this, there's no way that he would have done this. Because I even thought that a tweet like from a fake account pretending to be him with the L was really a capital I that said, like, Bill Clinton's raped people and, like, I've done nothing compared to him. I was like, oh of course that's fake like he would never say that but it's like he went one step further and actually brought out flew out the <laughs> women who have been sexually assaulted by bill clinton and put them on display and just went around and he was like make a statement i holy shit and and hillary was pissed the whole thing was totally nuts um but yeah i think that the misogynist thing look trump is a scumbag i don't doubt that he has done those things all the women who have come out i believe them um, it's not easy for women to come out and talk about this. The problem is, why are they coming out now? It kind of just feels like the Clinton camp is like pulling them out. Um, that the the timing is weird, but like I don't discredit them at all. I mean, anyone who's any female in this industry ha has experienced sexual harassment at the very least from the from mm -hmm. bosses, and um, I it sounds very much like something that would happen, especially this one woman who just came out today and said that she was invited to dinner and then he brings her in his room and just starts trying to make out with her. And he gets very upset that she's like, I thought we were going to dinner and it's this really awkward situation. That's Donald Trump. I mean, he, he's a billionaire. He's been, he's been handed everything on a silver and gold fucking platter. I meant gold. His whole apartment is gold dusted yeah. shit. And I know, I know, like, um, I've heard about people, like, in the music scene. Like, there's this concept called the missing stare. And, like, Jacob Applebaum mm -hmm. was sort of one of these where it's, like, if you get to a certain high enough status in, like, a scene or some, like, an art scene or, like, a hacker scene or a music scene or, like, a celebrity scene, um, it, it's not uncommon for you to do things that are borderline sexual, sexually predatory behavior. And to, like just like force yourself on a woman until she like has to push you off to tell you, you know, tell her right. you that she, you don't want to make out with her or whatever. Like that's really shockingly common. I find it really disturbing. I mean, there's definitely gradations of what's considered sexual assault, but I, I would consider that a form of sexual assault, you know, but I mean, it's actually shockingly common yeah. I, and that's the scary thing. So it is kind of just intense that the media is bringing up like, the two main big focuses right now are like sexual assault and like war with Russia. It's like really, it's just really 
heightened. Right. And, you know, the, and it's also way more heightened because Hillary Clinton's a woman, obviously. And so they're focusing on the rapey shit about Donald Trump because they know that's going to hit the hardest against Hillary Clinton being the first woman president. That's the only thing she has going for her at this point. She's so mm-hmm. loathed. Um, and the misogyny thing, look, it's so rampant and acceptable and encouraged among every sector of society at the top that this isn't surprising to me. It isn't surprising to anyone covering it. And they're acting appalled and they're acting like this is some sort of aberration. We know with um, what's his face from Q. Why can't I remember? Gian Gameshi. Like, look at all yeah. Jimmy Savile like this shit. And those were way worse. Jimmy Savile is is the darkest shit ever. It's like way worst examples, but it shows you how these things can happen. And and like, I'm sure they all look at Billy Bush. He was like laughing up a storm and told the woman, give him a hug, give him a hug. He deserves it. And let's, and let's just examine. I just wanted to mention really quickly, just the Billy Bush, that fact that Billy Bush is at the center of this to me is very interesting because we already know that Jeb Bush and George W. Bush are not voting for Trump. They explicitly said so. So who are they voting for? Are they voting for Hillary Clinton? They haven't right. actually said that directly. But guess who is voting for Hillary Clinton and wrote an endorsement for her? Who? George W. George w. Bush uh, oh, Senior. senior. Yeah. Um, and he's like one, I mean, he's instrumental in the sort of the ne- early iteration of neoconservatives. He was right. the director of the CIA. So it's fascinating that Billy Bush is at the center of all this. Um, how did they comb through all these archives did they randomly find this? Because you have to imagine Access Hollywood probably has thousands of tape, like thousands of hours of tapes, right? Right. And so I almost think that Billy Bush let someone know that he remembered this interaction. And there's actual evidence, and I read, and I don't remember exactly where I read this. It wasn't on a conspiracy website that whoever leaked it originally tried to edit Billy Bush's comments out of it. Really? And it's timestamped to prove this, yes. So the very first version that was on the internet that didn't get viral was one that had like Billy Bush edited out. And if you watch it, there is a little part that is jump-cutted. And I don't know what they edited out there, oh, but right, it's... right, right. Yeah, where it shows the bus then pulling up or whatever. Yeah. Like, yeah, like what Something got jump cut it out and nobody's talking about that. And I feel like Billy Bush maybe even said something weirder or something. Well, why would know? he want... But he's been fired his whole career. That's an upheaval. That's true. But I, you're right. So that's the that's the other angle to it. But why maybe would he, he didn't throw know himself? that that would happen. Maybe he thought... Maybe he was told they would edit him out of... This is my yeah. weird theory, is that maybe he was told... They were, they're they going to leak this, but they're going to edit him out of it. And they realize at a certain point they couldn't do it. They couldn't yeah. edit it out without right. making it look really doctored. Right, right, so right, right. this possibly could be a little bit of like a bushy sacrifice, <laughs> hug, a hug for the bushy. Well, what about a sacrifice for the bushy? Well, I, he's, I love it because you know it's I mean? the only bush who's been like remotely held accountable for anything. And I kind of <laughs> yeah, like it right? because he's been so under the radar of being a bush. <laughs> and every time I see him on TV, I'm like, what the fuck? This guy's a bush. Why is he like... Yeah just accepted in entertainment and stuff he should be scorned and i just kind of love that he's the one in the tape it's great it's really great and there was a really interesting (laughs) incident that happened in the wake of it that as a deleted tweet by fpi foreign policy initiative co-founders um dan senor's wife campbell brown that somebody tweeted to her and i don't know who it was i think it was just some indie journalist said strong rumor right now that says that Campbell Brown had something to do with leaking the Billy Bush tape. 
Um, and then she responded with, um, we always have to think of things to keep our like married life fun or something. What? And then she deleted the tweet like five minutes later. Um, That's creepy. So I don't know if this is another like Liz Wall style mindfuck. Like the neocons want Trump to think they're doing it or something. Because that's, I mean, in a weird way, it's almost like foreign policy initiative tweeting, to like tra- warning us that something crazy is going to happen on RT. Like it's still, to me, it seems like they did that to like fuck with Russia directly. To me, I mean, that's what it seems like to me. I don't know it's if your so read crazy. is similar, but um, it almost seems like they're trying to get in Trump's head. Well, we know even how if dirty it's not true. They go, yeah. Yeah. So... Um, I just thought that was weird that just, it, that the neocons came up and even in that, you know, um, but maybe it's complete bullshit. Dude, I don't even know, but I, I just, I feel like this is the first of many tapes and, and yeah, things because you're right. Trump's been a public figure and he's been so entitled for so long. I mean, I can't imagine the kind of shit that he's said. On The Apprentice, yeah. on interviews, like, God, I mean, he's never really cared, you know, what people are, are thinking about him and stuff. In fact, that's how he got to where he is. But it's like, what do they have under their sleeve? And they're timing it very well. Well, the, they see him it, spiraling. Yeah, they're timing it so well that they released that clip of him saying that he's going to marry that 10 year old in 10 years after the <laughs> grab him by the pussy video. Oh Did you God, see that one? No. Because if they release those in the reverse order then it would not have had the same effect. Right. Because he, there's already weird, creepy comments he's already made about like his daughter being hot yep. and stuff. Yep. So they, I think that was a strategic timing. They, that was the order they needed to. And now it almost seems like there's people all over Facebook who's like saying he's like a pedophile sexual oh predator. God. Well, he's such a misogynist that he doesn't know how to relate to women without talking about their sexuality. So I, I don't... I definitely don't think that he's a pedophile. I just think that that's how creepy he is with women. And that's how much he yeah. considers them just like property. Like he, you know, Melania yeah. is like his little playmate that he has on his side. Um, and his daughter's like this trophy from Ivanka. And, mm-hmm. um, or his first, was his first. So wait, she's named Ivanka. And what is this? Oh, Ivana. Yeah. Cause Ivanka means little Ivana. Uh, Did you but- see the, um, the Howard Stern thing where he was, he was asking him what he thought about. He said that, so he was on Howard Stern show and Howard Stern was like, so remember that thing you told me about, uh, at your wedding? He's like, he's like, do you mind if I talk about this? And Trump's like, uh, I, I guess not. And then he's like, he's like, I asked Donald, um, you know, why the wedding was so extravagant. And, and, you know, like, I was like, oh, Donald's a really very extravagant wedding. You must have, you know, shelled out a lot for this. And he told me vagina is very expensive. <laughs> and Donald Trump and him just started laughing together on, on the show. That's funny. So... He's like the sleaziest, he like is. most, he's super unfiltered. Right. Um, so I would be surprised if, he, I mean, not trying to like compare him to Bill Clinton, but I would be surprised if he was anywhere, I mean, that he was even comparable to Bill Clinton's like sexual assault record. Oh, totally. You know what I was, that's what I, <laughs> that's what I wanted to bring up about Bill Clinton. Um, Bill Clinton has sexually assaulted many women and he's also had a torrid love affair in the fucking Oval Office. So... When you're comparing the two, this is why it's so unfortunate for Hillary, because really, like, not only is she detested globally, but she her husband is like a, a accused rapist um, by multiple women. And like, 
the the thing is, yes, you can say these women are lying, but why hasn't Obama been charged with by women? Why, you know, Reagan, Bush Jr. Like none of these people had women coming out of the woodwork saying you raped me. Like there is something to the Bill Clinton rape allegations. Something very disturbing. This man should not be in the fucking White House again. Yeah, um, it's insane that he is, and it's really unfortunate for Hillary to try to bring up all the sexual assault thing as her main pillar against Trump. And she protected. She tried to protect him in that. And it wasn't just like she was trying to hold together her marriage because he was cheating on her. She tried to protect right. him from uh, rape accusers. It just and also so bad. I know. And also one of the things I think that's getting a little bit lost in light of all the Bill Clinton sexual assaults is she defended uh, a yeah. guy who raped a 12-year-old. And it, the weird part of the story is that like tell she was about asked this. as a... Tell, tell she was say a- the story. She was asked as a favor um, by another lawyer to have a like an intelligent liberal like like sophisticated woman to defend this um, this rapist this child rapist yeah. named Thomas Alfred Taylor. Uh, he raped a twelve year old, and Clinton defended him in court. But it wasn't like her job wasn't that wasn't what she normally did. It would make even more sense if right. she, her job was like to defend criminals all the time like that. She like took the. Um, <laughs> She took the job sort of willingly, um, but the, there's a false element to it where they say she did it pro bono and for free. Apparently, that part of the story wow. is not true, but everything else is. Right. So, that's pretty disturbing, I think. But It just once shows again, you their, their marriage is such a, a farce. It's just a partnership, even more so than the House of Cards shit. I mean, at least they have sex in House of Cards. Like, this is completely fake. Bill Clinton's whole speech... Um, about her and it was so fake and contrived about how Hillary like you know basically their whole love story it was like bro you should have just talked about her professional career because this is super fucking fake like no one believes you and and also the oh my god I forgot the other thing about Colin Powell's leaked email saying he's still dicking bimbos at home like this it's just it's just unreal (laughs) Yeah, I mean, like, is he going to bring bimbos in the White House again? Because I that would be really bad. Well, the the weird thing is, there's a lot of totally believable rumors out there that Hillary Clinton has always been either bisexual or she's they've ha- always had like some kind of weird <laughs> open relationship arrangement. Yeah. Because Yoko Ono claims to have had sex with her what many numerous times. Are you serious? She has, yeah, Yoko Ono did several interviews where she has said this. And it just never had legs. Said she had sex with Hillary in many interviews. Wow. Why would she make that up? Exactly. Right. It just seems, I mean, but the thing is, (laughs) it's also people, people write off Yoko Ono and say, oh, she's a loony avant-garde artist. But I mean, why would you just write out? And then also Jennifer Flowers made a pretty vulgar joke Uh, about Hillary Clinton recently and said she's, she eats more pussy than Bill Clinton. Wow. So. Wow. Take that how you want. I don't know if any of this stuff is. I, it's hard to verify because again, a lot of it was under the cover of like right wing noise, like anti Clinton noise when he was in office. But it does seem like a lot of it was ignored by Clinton supporters and Democrats just out of convenience too. That it's real. A lot of it seems really uh, oh, true to me. Oh, of course. I mean, that's what makes it so laughable. The the media just continuous constant coverage of either Russia or the sexual assault thing. It's like. When's the last time you covered Bill's sexual assault allegations? And and it is relevant because he is going to be the first man in the White House. So it's very relevant. This isn't old news. Um, and I wanted to go back to the press conference thing because I found it really 
crazy. I mean, here you have all the reporters. It's like, I don't know, the day after this leaked tape, you know, because they timed it for the debate. And then, of course, Trump brings out all of his cards, brings all these women. Paula Jones, the other woman who tweeted, I got raped and then Hillary Clinton threatened me and shit. And they're asking Trump, like, have you ever touched women appropriately? And Paula Jones is just like, ask that to Bill Clinton. Ask that to Bill Clinton. I was just like, damn, this is backfiring extremely fast. Like, all of this is really bad. <laughs> yeah. And and the only thing I think that there might, they're ace in the hole. I don't know if we already talked about this um, last time. Maybe we did. But, like, that they might have a Trump, a t- might have a tape of Trump saying something, like, extremely racist. Like, mm-hmm. you know, like, maybe even saying, like, nigger on a hot yeah. And that would be real. I mean, that could tank him instantly. Right. You know? I don't know how he would come back from that. But, like. I don't think that they've been actually scouring tapes for stuff because I mean, if they well, they might be, but at the same time, like I feel like a lot of people who worked on these shows who were there on set are remembering things and like mm-hmm. trying to find those tapes after they remember them. Mm-hmm. That's why the Billy Bush thing to me is interesting because there were probably other sound guys and cameramen who heard that too. So there really was really only a small circle of people who probably even remember that happening. You know, see, I don't think they're scouring stuff now, Robbie. That's probably the first yeah. thing they did, right? When she yeah, knew that right. Trump was going to be good, she was like, "All right, I'm going to have a team of people 24 seven scouring every single right. thing he's ever said," and they have this under their under the rug, ready to release. Uh, they have to. I mean, what the hell else have they been doing? <laughs> you know, yeah. and it's so up in the air at this point. Not, and you know, let's move on to the Podesta emails and all this other stuff because. Wow. Talk about a cover up. You know, first of all, the elections dumbed down people into this binary focus where if you criticize Hillary, you want this demagogue to win. If you if you criticize Trump, then you're a Hillary apologist. I mean, come on, you guys apply some critical thinking skills. This is it's fear mongering. We should not be afraid. Okay, I talked to these Haitian activists outside of the first debate and they said something extremely poignant. They said we should not be afraid. There's a wall. We know Trump's a racist and we know Hillary's a criminal. Let's not be scared. Whoever gets in the White House, we're going to fight and we're not going to be scared, you know, no, no matter who it is. So it was just a really brilliant kind of point that this man made who was saying, where's all the earthquake money? This is obviously before the devastating earthquake that just happened that killed over a thousand people again. Where's the earthquake money? Yes. Clinton Foundation fucked up Haiti. It's incredible what happened there. I want to talk about that later. But let's get into the Podesta emails because this is something that has been completely censored. I think you talk about how much coverage has been applied to both things. Well, I don't remember the exact figure, but it was something that was showing a comparison between all the major mainstream media networks, how much coverage they devoted in one day to the the new WikiLeaks about Hillary versus how much time they devoted in one day to the Trump grab him by the pussy tape. Mm-hmm. And it was something like five hours of content on the Trump grab him by the pussy tape. And this was already like a, like a few days out from it. So it wasn't like the day that the Trump tape right. got released. And on the other hand, they compiled the total of all these same mainstream media networks for the amount of time they spent on the WikiLeaks. It was something like 18 to 20 minutes total on the whole day. I'm even surprised it was that much. Yeah. Unbelievable. So it's... Um, it's just the scary thing is they're really going to feed into and validate all of these Trump supporters' belief that the system is rigged right, against them. Right, exactly. That's the danger in them doing this so irresponsibly. Right. And just going full tilt 
acting like it's their duty to get Hillary elected for some reason. Right. So it's really dumb. I even saw Brian Seltzer, our favorite person on reliable sources on CNN, talking about how outrageous, you know, Trump's whole campaign has ran on, quote, conspiracy theories, he said. But the most outlandish of them all is that the media works with Hillary Clinton. And I just like almost spit up my coffee. I was like, what, dude? Like, so this I is, guess it's so crazy to me. Like this all it's all huh. been proven, bro. So wait, so he hasn't seen uh, the the classic documentary, political documentary called The Signal that shows Bill Clinton and Larry King on a hot mic where Larry King tells him that Ted Turner really likes him and that he's going to help him out before mm-hmm. and after the mm-hmm. election. The owner, an oligarch who owns who owns single-handedly the only 24-hour news channel at the time. Right. Okay? Just think about that for a second. Yeah. Um, and I uh, like how Larry King is such an, a loser senile old man that he would deny that the media is biased and that you know that glenn greenwald's on a real journalist like what a dumbass he's he's, and this is the problem with these people brian seltzer i'm actually surprised by because he is running a show called reliable sources and he's and his whole job is supposed to like dissect like propaganda from all sides so that shows you where his interests lie larry king i'm totally unsurprised by because he is a totally generic journal quote-unquote journalist who's been handpicked and plucked to be in that position and to be um like coddled and fostered by the establishment because he's just the perfect establishment puppet to like do yeah. nothing say nothing it's like okay great yeah. how, how do we have this like do nothing dude who's just like we can bounce shit off of yeah absolutely and that's the reason why you would look at someone like Dan Rather and think, oh, he must be really milk toast too. But at a certain point, he was like not milk toast enough. And that's why they fucking like made sure to get rid of him. Like, yeah, yeah, of course. So it's like, so it's like you have to wonder how these people like Larry King and Wolf Blitzer lasted so long. Well, it's because they never challenged the establishment right. or any of the shit that they're handed. They, they're puppets. They're full on puppets. Let's, and they're just dumb people. They're, they don't understand the world for and, some reason, even though they're so old and wise. Right, right. And they've talked like, to so what? many people. Well, that's why it's so crazy. And I really give credit to Jordan from the Young Turks because the Young Turks has been getting a slightly milk toast regarding the election, just like a lot of progressive outlets have, because they are yeah. so, so anti-Trump that it almost becomes like they're not criticizing Hillary enough. But Jordan from the Young Turks has been on it, and and it's funny to see him react to trolls and stuff, and like Hillary apologists, because he's like, dude, if you want to see anti-Trump coverage, like watch every other network in the world that has a progressive tilt or a liberal tilt. And he was like, this is my fucking job. And also, is this not newsworthy? It's like, so you can't actually cover the rigging of an entire primary process. And further than that, like pay to play, finally proving the pay to play. You know how all the Clinton surrogates were like, there's no proof that there's pay to play. Well, yeah, there is many, 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 many things prove this and these email leaks. So it's great to see someone from the Young Turks saying, I'm going to cover extremely in depth these leaks and the emails Mm -hmm. just because no one else is doing it. And notice how much airtime the Young Turks official uh, shows are giving him. Hardly a fucking single Mm -hmm. minute. He's doing this all on his own YouTube channel. Uh, and Twitter, so that's really sad. But the and and then also the reason why the mainstream media doesn't want to touch this primary rigging stuff is because they know Bernie supporters still hate Hillary Clinton at heart, and they're just going to have to force themselves to vote for her. This is going to lose her a lot of those people. 
I guarantee you it. They'll they'll be like, nope, can't do it now. Dude, it's so disgusting how Bernie Sanders, I think he even did an interview after after like, I think the first Podesta leak and he was like, it doesn't matter what she said in the past, we all need to focus on beating Trump. It's like, dude, just yeah. stop giving interviews. Like, I, He's the you're worst. You're so he is, bad. He has always been a piece of shit. I never liked him. I thought he was a phony from the moment I saw him do that stupid filibuster. I thought it was totally phony. I don't care if people think that it was legit. Um, I stand by the fact that I thought he was a phony. And also, Cindy Sheehan nailed it, that why did he not get a haircut the whole time he was running for president? And then all of a sudden, when he appears side by side with Hillary Clinton to endorse her after she wins a primary, he's all clean cut. He's got a new haircut. So, I mean, just on a really simplistic level, what does that even mean? It means that he was not seriously running against her and then he was always a total show. Like, it's I, just like a, it's almost like a little symbolism for that. The you problem, know? yeah, it's hard for me to call him a piece of shit, though, because I do really respect his past fighting for Gulf War veterans, fighting against Monsanto, fighting for GMO labeling. There has been many, many amazing well, things that he did in concert with like Dennis Kucinich over the past couple of decades. But that's what makes it even more disconcerting. That we that I believed in him because I was like I know that you're at least a little bit true because you have been really on point and consistent and you've been outside of the establishment right like he was like this independent yeah, yeah. from Vermont so no, I was like right. oh he's yeah. always this kind of outsider but that's what makes it even more disheartening and like yeah, yeah, heartbreaking yeah, yeah. to me to see this happen because I was it takes a lot to convince me you know you're especially right. after like since 9-11 i mean it, it's taken a lot and i'm so disenchanted with the system that i got sucked in and i was like this guy is so awesome and he's really he's really fighting it out and really calling the system rigged and all this but, shit and then and then it just all fell apart it was so weird but you're talking about like even before the oh I mean, yeah yeah I think yeah pretty much as soon as the primary started like you you already knew he wasn't Really when he said that he was going when he said that he was inevitably inevitably going to endorse the democratic candidate yeah yeah and just the fact that like he was not using like the best ammunition he right. had against Hillary about the Iraq war very like he would barely use it it was just like right. pull it out like once every debate and then like give and then like just concede you know immediately and this this something. stuff it's like you don't need to come out whenever there's a leak saying that Hillary hated you and rigged everything against you to defend her, like you could actually actually, you know, step back and say, you know what? I'm not going to do that. I already endorsed her. Yeah. That's enough. It's like, why is he continuing to come out? It's so demeaning to his supporters. It's like, dude, we've been saying this all along and now all these it, leaks confirm it. And <laughs> it's almost like in a, in a small way, we've seen this happen in different ways to other candidates, like in a le much less bad way. We saw this happen when Dennis Kucinich went on the airplane ride with mm -hmm, Obama mm -hmm. and reversed on the, right. the single payer. Mm -hmm. Or not even single payer, a public option. Right. And we didn't even get that. Right. Isn't that true? We didn't get yes, a public no. option? What the fuck? I can't... Dude, that whole thing was so Oh, crazy. I know. It was so sad. We really... But... And then also, um, who's the other guy? I was I forgot who I was going to mention. Oh, John Kerry used right. to be an extremely "quote unquote" radical seeming young senator. He was the original guy who did the Winter Soldier testimony, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. who said that they he him and his fellow soldiers would cut off ears, cut off noses, like collect trophies of human body parts. I mean, that all came from him. Um, I mean, that was like who who he was like the biggest face of all that. And look at him now. But Robbie, Look at John Kerry now. let's talk about these emails because they are so crazy, Robbie. And I'm only going to scratch the surface here. I really encourage yeah. everyone to just look at um, 
look at WikiLeaks. Just look at their feed and also just look at um, this guy. His name is Jordan Sheraton, like the Sheraton Hotel, except with a C-H, not a Sheraton. Mm -hmm. So his name is Jordan Sheraton. Check out his Twitter feed. He's been basically just combing through this and pulling out the most damning stuff. Um, and let's and let's talk about a little bit of it. I think one of the most damning things isn't even about Hillary Clinton. It's about Obama. And it really shows pay to play up the yay that Obama was already funded wholeheartedly by Wall Street. We know that that was his main financier for the election. Um, so that's not a surprise. But what is surprising is that Citigroup, a Citigroup executive, let me read actually exactly the quote, Michael Froman, who's now a U.S. trade representative, but at the time, of course, you know, the revolving door once again, he's now a trade representative, but at the time he was an executive at Citigroup. He wrote an email to Podesta in 2008 with the subject, quote, lists. So mind you, this is a month before the election. Mm-hmm. Froman used a Citigroup email address. He attached three documents, a list of women for top admin jobs, a list of non-white candidates, and a sample outline of 31 cabinet-level positions and who would fill them. The lists will continue to grow, he wrote, but these are the names to date that, be, that are coming up, recommended by my sources for senior-level jobs. It's incredible that a Citigroup fucking executive is telling Podesta, here's who Obama should pick for his cabinet. Here's the best part. The cabinet list ended up being almost entirely on the money. It identified Eric Holder for the Justice Department, Janet Napolitano for Homeland Security, Robert Gates for Defense, Rahm Emanuel for Chief of Staff, Peter Ozarg for the Office of Management and Budget, Arnie Duncan for Education, Eric Shenseki for Veterans Affairs. I mean, like, the list goes on and on. And then for Treasury Secretary, it said three choices, Robert Rubin, Larry Summers, and Tim Geithner. And didn't Tim Geithner, after he stepped down, didn't Larry Summers get on? So it's like... Wow, I'm glad that Citigroup executives have the inside scoop and are appointing people like by proxy. That makes me feel really good. It's just so much more blatant than you even think. It really is. I mean, I've, I really, I, this, all this stuff is definitely interesting to me, but I'm so eager to see something about like how Victoria Newland got appointed mm-hmm. or it, what her future position might be. Or Robert Kagan, like I did, I tell you, I found like Robert Kagan and Strobe Talbot like jokey conversations in the last Hillary email leak, Mm-mm. where oh, it's yeah, like you did, but yeah, they're me. like they're like f- trying to out flatter each other in this little thread because they're like hosting a talk at some think tank that some people from the Hillary's uh, State Department like went to and spoke at, basically. Right. Um, but yeah, so like I'm just, of course, that's where I what kind of leaks I want to see, but these are all. I mean, Awful. all of them are insane. One of them says Neera Tannen. Neera Tannen's Hillary Clinton's like main, you know, total henchmen. shill. Total. Um, Neera Tannen says in one of the leaks that she likes seeing progressive black leaders like Ben Jealous be without power. Um, this is not a joke, actually. Um, and let's. Yeah, she basically is just saying like the best thing about Hillary winning on top of everything else is that Ben Jealous will be without power. Ben Jealous is the president of the NAACP. Black progressive, I've interviewed him on Breaking the Set. Great guy. Apparently, Hillary Clinton doesn't want him to be in power. What's so crazy is this woman acts like she's one of these, like, identitarian, like, you know, like, PC-friendly, like, liberal people. She's really good friends, apparently, with Charles Johnson, who runs Little Green Footballs, that site that was, like, determined mm-hmm. to destroy you after mm-hmm, your, mm-hmm. your statements on Crimea. Uh, and for some reason I got in this argument. So my only knowledge of her, I didn't even know who she was. And then I realized later she was like a big Hillary Clinton, like insider. 
was he was like attacking me saying I was like a crazy truther over and over again mm-hmm. on Twitter. And she favorited like four of his tweets attacking me, just completely at random. This is near a tandem I'm talking about. And, and she was, was like, and she was within the whole process of shutting out all the progressive platform from the DNC and really instrumental in, in the whole rigging process. She's a huge shill. Yeah, she might have to uh, give up her job, which she claimed she didn't have. She said she didn't work for Hillary Clinton, and then she later said she basically did. Like, did you already see that weird denial and then like she had to admit it yeah. later yep thing so these people i don't know how if they're just this brainwashed into thinking they're not like phonies or if it but it's like to me this almost seems like she doesn't realize that she's like a pathological liar or mm-hmm, something mm-hmm. it's so creepy <laughs> it is so so creepy uh so that i mean it just shows you how these people talk about each other and also a lot of people just talk so much shit about hillary um, even Podesta, I think himself was just like, she hates admitting that she's wrong. She, they basically just talk a lot about how, um, lackluster, they said she was lackluster, <laughs> <laughs> even more lackluster than 2008. Um, oh, another great thing about the email is that it said Donna Brazil, who's now the chair, um, who Debbie Wasserman Schultz stepped down and now Donna Brazil is the chair. She was, she was a talking head all over the mainstream media, supposedly, um, you know, not taking a side, unbiased, leading up to everything that happened. Well, that's not true at all. She was even given questions in advance that she provided to the Clinton camp about the debate, specifically a question about the death penalty. So it shows you just so many ways that this was rigged. You know, we already knew that it was rigged. We already knew that there were Clinton surrogates, not labeled as Clinton surrogates, literally paid by Hillary Clinton. We knew that the media was 100% anti-Trump, but it really... It really is something else when you see it proven and written down in emails in front of you and people still are blinding themselves. That's what's so frustrating. Nobody wants to actually see what's going on right now because I think that they all somehow believe that the American media and the U.S. government are like acting in a good faith. They have like by default, that's what they feel like. And um, God, but it just like, I, I mean, in a lot of most of the people I know, just out of hand dismiss everything in the mainstream media. You know, that's like yeah. their default position because right. it is so obviously rigged and fake and like propaganda. But um so do you remember that Kurt Kurt Eichenwald article that like went really viral all of a sudden? Yep. And it was about how and it's kind of a convoluted story to explain. I'll just unpack it really quickly that Kurt Eichenwald wrote an article trying to like dismiss this idea that Sidney Blumenthal was like trying to talk Hillary Clinton out of like getting people in Benghazi or something. So he wrote this article like two or three years ago. And in the newest Podesta leaks, it was like part of one of the emails. They were just copying and pasting the article to each other. Like Mm -hmm. a lot of, if you notice a lot of these emails are just news articles. So this was one of those instances, Sputnik news fucked up and they posted like a quote from the article thinking it was Sidney Blumenthal talking. Mm. So they've, they made this error and then they took down the article immediately. Someone from the Trump campaign obviously saw this on Sputnik and, and it, thought it was and legit. Saw it quoted a ton of times on Twitter. It was already posted yeah, a bunch. It was already out there. So they mis- misunderstood what it was. They didn't realize it was actually a quote from an old Kurt Eichenwald article. Which, but the craziest part is Kurt Eichenwald came out like the next day and was like, this is proof that Trump is getting talking points from the Russian government. 
And that was like the concept of his article saying that like the Sputnik uh, thing posting the Podesta leak and them claiming it was Sidney Blumenthal is proof that Trump is like a Putin agent. What's I mean, it's astounding. <laughs> so, uh, so a famous Russian outlet, if you cite something from a, from an outlet, that's a considered a news outlet, then you are colluding with the president of Russia. That's so fascinating. What a fucking yeah, crazy it? person. This guy tweeted and, out his, his own article like 40 times within yeah, the course guess, of like 36 hours. And guess what his biggest uh, journalistic scoop of all time was, like what? of his whole career? It was the infamous article that sort of validated a lot of truthers, but at the same time, like didn't really go as far as it could have gone, saying Bush deaf to 9-11 warnings. It came out in about 2007 or 8. Yes, it was. Whoa. And guess what, Abby? He was given special access. Someone leaked to him selected presidential daily brief yeah, that no I, one has ever seen. I totally remember that. He He's the one who came out and said it wasn't just the August 6 PDB. It was like yeah. dozens and dozens and dozens directly handed to all but these he, top cabinets. Yeah. And he was extremely afraid of being he was like extremely upset when Ari Fleischer was calling him a truther on an MSNBC like debate show about mm. this article so I mean if he's this bad of a journalist we need someone else to see those PDBs I'm sorry I don't trust him at all right he is extremely sloppy right terrible journalist and he needs to go back and make sure that someone else who does actual investigative journalism and understands things gets access to those PDBs I wonder who leaked it to him and why Exactly. That's so it makes weird. me wonder I if he's always been this dumb. Yeah. Wow. And, he, and they're just like, oh, we need to leak it to this guy because he'll fucking fuck up the story oh and make Bush God. look like actually let Bush off the hook still. Yeah, it was so pathetic when he was trying to, to hammer that point home and everyone was like, yeah, this is proof that Trump's working, like getting talking points from Putin. It's like, no, he just read a news article. Dumbasses. Good yeah, God. Isn't that, and, it, and it went all over my Facebook. Oh, my God. And... Patton Oswalt tweeted it out saying, Ugh. is there any more proof that like you need that Trump is an <gasps> yeah, agent of Russia? Yeah, I need actual proof. And Tim Heidecker retweeted that shit. So Sad. remember that clip I used in a very heavy Sad. agenda of, of uh, Tim Heidecker like making jokes yeah. about Putin bombing us? I don't know if that was that much of a joke now that I'm thinking about if I After seeing oh, this tweet, no. I think he's actually like sucked into this shit. Oh my God. Really hard. Um, so it's just... It's like comedy is dying. Like co comedians are falling for this stuff. Like that's awful. <laughs> oh my God. Oh, and John Oliver did like, like simultaneously seem like he ripped off an, a, like a Gitmo segment from breaking the set and then spent the next 10 minutes after that talking about um, basically like j doing really dumb jokes about new cold war and like making like a five minute segment on car, uh, from Chechnya acting like all Americans think he's funny when only like Rosie Gray and Eli Lake ever post about him. You know, it would be funny. Like, no one if, else gives a fuck. As if about comedians him. actually mock the U S um, for their absurd <laughs> hysteria about the cold war. Instead, it's all just like, I would be offended prey. by that. It's crazy. And that's what I told the Samantha B producer too. I was like, why don't you guys do your job and focus on the U S there's plenty yeah, like of the stuff old to talk daily about show here. did. Remember what the yes. daily show used to do? Oh, no, I guess you don't because Colbert shaved his head and now has Michelle Obama on pretending to do sleepovers saying that he wants to spend um, his time on a desert island with her husband. And Zach Galifianakis has Hillary Clinton on to be super funny. Wow, that was a funny segment, wasn't it? My God. 
Um, well, they've so really done yeah. a good job of plugging into hip culture and propagandizing like those kinds of people from vice to between two ferns to broad city to pretty much every i mean you name it yeah they there's a mass appropriation of our culture but not just mainstream culture it's like the exclusive like different underground circles of our culture idm and like weird shit like that that they've totally appropriated and adopted and now are using to spread propaganda just like the the liz wall video in that art museum done by some electronic co-op or whatever that you were telling me about i mean this is this is what they've done they've done it very well and it's it comes at you um very elusively where you don't understand where it's even coming from it just permeates society and permeates your reality and you just start adopting it as true and people who aren't critical thinkers it's very easy to fall prey to this but i i advise you to please just ask questions like don't just take i I know it's hard to believe that the media is like working all together to cover something up but it's not really when you look at like why and how this actually works these people actually do believe in the cold war they so it's it's unreal And it's almost like reflexive. We have this in our lineage as a country. So it's like, that's the scare. It's like, to me, it's like, don't you realize this is like a reflex that we were like raised with? If you grew up in the 80s, you remember, at least in part, fears of nuclear weapons and Russia. Mm-hmm. You remember that. Mm-hmm. If you grew up in the 70s, you remember that. If you grew up in the 60s, you remember that. If you grew up in the 50s. So it's like, there's only like a couple, maybe like one generation of this country in the last 60, 70 years that didn't experience that. Oh so God. it's really, it's just, uh, it's depressing. Let's really quickly so talk think- about some more emails too. Go, go on. What oh yeah, yeah. Go, no, you, you talk, I, you know way more about them. So just, I mean, I, I'm go. just looking at Jordan's Twitter right now. It says that one of them reveals how her camp was plotting to release selective positive parts of the bank speeches while omitting damaging ones. Um, another one, another, another <laughs> oh one is, is um, Hillary stating in 2014 that the Saudi Qatar government's funded ISIL. And also in 2014, Qatar gave Bill Clinton a million dollars for like a birthday present to meet with him for five minutes. Just a million dollar little gift, you know, from the fucking Qatari regime. And they'd also admitted in these leaks at the same time that they were funding ISIL. Um, so that's one of them. Another one is... Um, another one is... Basically them talking about how they are going to stay silent on TPP. Just acknowledging how they don't want to talk about that. Acknowledging how they use Black Lives Matter as like a talking point. Because it gains like them a lot of... Um, a lot of attention from like the youth. Just like so fucking out of touch. Um, another one is... Um, where is my email right now? Hold on, hold on. I had them all written down. Another one is um, the speech transcripts. This is this is really interesting. She talks about... Well, actually, no. I don't know if this is in the transcripts of the Podesta emails, but I know in the transcript she's talking about Syria and a no-fly zone, which I thought was really interesting. It's like, why are you telling Goldman Sachs executives that a lot of Syrians are going to die? And that you and like justifying a no fly zone to them, like why in the fuck are you actually doing that? That's extremely strange. Do you want me to read you the quote? I mean, yeah, read it, read it in a second. But I just wanted to just mention really quick that you know when you get defense contractors to be able to sell weapons, 
they make a lot of money very, very fast. Like that's right. the difference between those companies and other companies is they have all these extremely expensive, like the, the most expensive products in the world. Mm -hmm. And they sell many, many units of them at the same time when something like this happens. Right. So it make it, I mean, in a way it makes sense why she would talk about stuff like this with Goldman Sachs. It's like the, the money is going to be going through their banks right. probably or, or God, you know, so, so yeah, but don't read the quote. She said, she said the idea that we would like to have a no fly zone in Syria, um, it, had a, it has a very sophisticated air defense system. They're getting more sophisticated thanks to Russian imports. To have a no-fly zone, you have to take out all the air defense, many of which are located in populated areas. So our missiles, even if they are standoff missiles, so we're not putting our pilots at risk, you're going to kill a lot of Syrians. So all of a sudden, this intervention that people talk about so glibly becomes an American and NATO involvement where you take out a lot of Syrians. And, and she's basically saying this is what she still believes in the no-fly zone. This is what people seem to not understand what a no-fly zone actually is. I've had arguments with people who, um, who, who you know, think that they're anti-war. They don't understand that that means like literally bombing anti-aircraft like defense systems. Mm -hmm. Like that's insane. Um, that's war. That's a declaration of war. And as Hillary confirms right here, you're going to kill a lot of Syrians. And it goes back to what Mike Morell said, former CIA and NSA director, who said, "Let's start killing Syrians. Let's start killing Russians." Hmm, that's so weird because a couple weeks later, we, quote, accidentally bombed 60 Syrian army officials. And what did he say specifically? He said covertly. Yep. So that puts an interesting spin on yep. it because it's kind of, again, a little bit of a mindfuck. Why right. would he say that on national television? And why would he make it seem like if a bunch of Syrians die that the first reaction Syrian government and Russia would have would be like, is this one of these covert actions Mike Morell was talking about? Mm -hmm. It seems deliberately like a psyop almost to, to heat shit up. And it, right. that's to me what was so scary about what he said. It it's was like crazy. That's really dangerous rhetoric. And he said just to teach Very them a dangerous. lesson. And then you bomb yeah. these, these people and then you have the white helmets, um, you know, being seen with the guys who beheaded that child it's like shit is getting so weird um i don't even understand you know more about that and i want you to talk about that in one second i just wanted to say one more thing about the emails is that podesta and crew talk a bunch of shit about chelsea clinton it's so funny oh my god yeah, dude, it's oh really no bad. oh they wow. talk about how she's just like a drag Holy on the family oh and that God. she has zero life goals and that she has <gasps> no idea what she's doing with her life. And so she's just like desperately trying to be like a oh, clinger on her. Shit. Really sad. That, dude. Imagine like Hillary <laughs> reading these. <laughs> And having like the the stress. Oh my god! This is dude. This is so. What? That is mind blowing. To have one of her like closest allies saying this kind of things through email. If Holy I shit. were Chelsea, I would like come out now. Like be a whistleblower now, Chelsea. They've thrown you under the bus. This is come so out disturbing. with it, baby. So disturbing. It, it explains why she was so like kind of weirdly so inept sad. giving the speech you know she like didn't she was just so bad and weird and it's like man she's just she just she made the trump kids will look like barack obama yeah i know and like that, and order it, level and it's kind of funny also that hillary was like the one positive thing which is such a bullshit way to end that debate but she was just like i admire your kids she was probably just secretly like envious of them like at least your kids have done something with their life like Chelsea's kind of just like has no idea what the fuck she's doing. Tried the media gig, worked in the Clinton Foundation, couldn't even do that. It's sad. 
Yeah. It's sad. Man, it is so, so weird. I just can't. It's it really is so weird. One one more thing. The the (laughs) Wall Street transcript says she says, you know, I have to have a private and a public persona. Um, everything I say in public basically doesn't matter. Like we all knew that because back in the Dizay Politico published an article from Wall Street executives saying we are totally unfazed by Hillary's populist rhetoric. Don't believe a fucking thing. 100%. She's 100% down. I mean, this is just basically proving that by her own speech saying like everything I'm saying in public doesn't matter. You guys know me. We're boys. I have this private persona that I'm going to like, you know, we have this thing going on that I'm really going to be about when I'm president. So that's another thing. The most absurd thing of all, I think, is them all mocking Bernie Sanders so much, calling him crazy, saying that free healthcare and education is like batshit. What do we want to become like Scandinavia? It's like, wow, is that really so hard to believe? And calling anti-fracking groups a Russian conspiracy. She actually said that anti-fracking groups are funded by Russia. Why would that be true? Why would that be true? <laughs> I mean, that actually oh makes me feel God. like she's like mentally off because that's beyond like the, that's like so Cold War-esque that makes actually it no is. sense whatsoever. No, it really is. It's like that one part in um, the, uh, what's it called? The Trap by Adam Curtis where they go into yeah. how like Team A and Team B during the Cold War in the 80s, there was like the more hardcore neocons like Wolfowitz and, and these other people versus like, the more like rational foreign policy people. I mean, not to say mm-hmm, that they're, mm-hmm. they're rational by any means, but uh, compared to the neocons, they were more. That the so the neocons were basically trying to spin this theory in the eighties that all terrorism all over the world was a communist plot driven by Russia, like in every nook and cranny of every country. Wow. And and it's and that was seen as insane that's what ray mcgovern referred to as they were called the crazies because of things like right, that right 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 but now we have these people saying things like that that's just so crazy i mean it's like what talk anyway. about syria talk about this whole like white helmet thing explain this to people well i'm i wish i knew more about what the white helmets were but it all they all came onto the scene this this idea of these white helmets like humanitarian in Syria, um, when this picture of this boy that had survived what was allegedly a Russian aerial bombardment, um, and he was sitting in an ambulance, and it became like this new way to sort of push us into like more of a confrontation with Assad or something, or Russia even. Um, but the weird thing was, I immediately was like, oh, okay, I want to see like the full video of this clip because I just saw like a little tiny 30 second snippet, I saw that photo, very heart wrenching terrible photo you know of this child um that was going all over the place mm-hmm. facebook everywhere but then when you watch i immediately thought it was weird and when we watch the full clip you see these guys in these white helmets posing the child and where they could be nursing his wounds he's still got blood all over him um you would think that the first thing they would do would be like to nurse his wounds clean him up help him out medically speaking but instead they're posing him for a little video and I just thought that was odd and from the very get-go right. when I saw it. And then you started seeing things that were being buried by the Western press, literally like taken off websites where the Independent had a video showing very clearly one of the white helmet guys that we already knew was a white helmet carrying a rocket launcher, like walking with either the FSA or I don't even remember which rebel group it was, mm-hmm. but the Independent removed the clip on their website. Mm-hmm. 
So it's pretty much like, okay, why did you guys remove the clip? Right. If it's not true. Right. Just like they also removed the clip um, about uh, Ukrainian air traffic controllers from the Guardian's website, um, which it's like, oh, why did you guys remove that? That was actually an interesting point you raised about why they l- allowed a commercial airliner to fly over a war zone. Yeah, but it's exactly. gone now. Exactly. So, I mean, but that's it. Just it's just another one of those things where it's like it's another humanitarian push to try to get us into Syria, but it immediately fell apart. By well, anyone who was, like, looking at it closely. Yeah, I saw Democracy Now! I just read the transcript. I didn't watch the video. But it was a documentary filmmaker who was embedded with the White Helmets. And it was just really odd. Um, because his whole thing was that the White Helmets are undoubtedly, like, incontrovertibly only a humanitarian group that have zero, like, interests politically in the region. But that yet they only operate in rebel-held areas because Assad won't let them into government areas. It's very odd. It doesn't even make sense. Yeah, it's just a. What does really, that even mean? It's just a really, really weird huh. angle. So and, he like was mm-hmm. wow, wow. Mm-hmm. So he's basically trying to create like a weird underpinning framework for why the white helmets are obviously working with the Syrian rebellion in some way. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. That's pretty convenient. Yeah, and it's weird that this documentary is, is out already. Like I don't know. Like, wow. it was just weird because it was, like, the first I heard of the White Helmets, and then all of a sudden there's, like, a Netflix documentary out. I was like, oh, that was quick. That's extremely <laughs> fascinating. And and Amy Goodman was just letting this guy yeah. say these things? Yeah. Huh. That's too bad. I mean, that's the problem with Russia, dude. It, it catches everyone, you know? Like, Amy Goodman such- will have on, like, Katrina's husband, Stephen Cohen, who's, like, really good on Russia and kind of levels down the rhetoric and and really explains what's really happening and kind of how we should all be cautious and da 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 but then she'll have on like these guys and you know it's just kind of like who the fuck are these guys and and why was there no questions about the the beheading of that child and how like you see white helmets there it's like what is happening yeah beheading i mean the fact that the I don't even know his name. I think his name is something Perry. Uh, or He's one of the State Department press secretary mm-hmm. guys. The fact that, and then we talked about this uh, previous podcast, but he was like acting like even if the Syrian, even if like our Syrian rebels beheaded this 14-year-old or 12-year-old, I, I forgot exactly how old he was, Palestinian boy on video, that doesn't mean that they're like terrorists or they're like bad enough. Is basically what is what the difference between them and ISIS? I, I'm so confused. Now it's just getting really because ISIS is a death cult, mm. and I guess the people who behead children are just they're well meaning. They're well meaning. I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't, honestly it's humanitarian. don't know. It's so Robbie, weird. it's different because it's humanitarian. And you know, I mean, all, you can yeah. find. I was just gonna say you could find. I mean, and I show some of them. Probably the worst clips I show. I tried to show very quickly you know, flying by in that segment in very heavy agenda part one, where that's all pre ISIS, all of those videos of the Syrian, like rebels doing crazy or those like people doing crazy things like stabbing civilians and like shooting an entire, like a, like household in the back of the head execution style. Those are all pre ISIS Syrian rebels. Right. right. So, and the guy eating organs out of the guy's chest, that's not ISIS. Yeah. That's not ISIS. Super indistinguishable at this point. Yeah. And where's yeah. the discussion about um, ceasefire in Saudi Arabia? Wow. I, you know, I, it's amazing for all the civilian infrastructure that continues to be overtly targeted by our bombs and Saudi fucking Arabia. The funeral thing set me over the edge. Like I couldn't even sleep. 
I saw these photos, and for people who don't know what happened, because it completely got swept under the rug, a funeral was targeted, at least 140 people obliterated, and there was a river of blood. Literally, that's what the journalist said who came to the site. There was a river of blood. And when you see huh. the photos before and after, it's the saddest thing in the world. It's just a, just imagine a packed funeral house, 140 people packed in a house, and then it's just dirt, like literally fucking dirt and wireframes. It's so insane. And this is not the first time. And this is, this is coming off the heels of uh, targeting a school, targeting a hospital, targeting weddings. Um, they are fucking shameless and murderous criminals. And the fact that we are actually, we just, you know, Obama's given them more weapons than anything. Hillary's entire Clinton Foundation is based on the funding of Saudi Arabia. Not only does Saudi mm-hmm. Arabia like give her the most money, but then there's this other Saudi billionaire who also donates like at least a million dollars a year to them. It's yeah, insane. And, and all of this happening at the same time as the final, finally they released the 28 pages. Yeah. And now we're allowed to, apparently if we're victims of 9-11 in any way, that we're allowed to sue the Saudi Arabian government now. But they know so, at the top that they can't do it. Hillary's not going to go against them. Yeah. Oh, and that w- article you sent me was really fascinating where the judge was like, I would have like brought yeah. some of these things at a higher level of like a legal like case about 9-11 if the victims weren't just interested in just getting all a bunch Isn't of money. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> like if they wanted more answers. But the thing is, it kind of pissed me off reading that because like he knows about the 9-11 family steering committee and that those people didn't care. Oh, about no, it's a totally all, fake article. You know? It's basically yeah, him just being like, like they they just wanted money. It's like, no, they didn't. Of course, the victims families wanted answers. You ass. Yeah, they just got completely. Like how, ru- it wasn't even just desperate for something. They're like, well, shit, I guess we'll take a settlement since this is dragging on for yeah. 10 years. What how a sad joke. is it, too, that the most press that those women, courageous women got was in the form of Ann Coulter criticizing yeah. them to Matt Lahr. Right. And and we were just told that they were, oh, Ann Coulter was just insulting 9-11 victims, family members. She was specifically insulting the Jersey widows. Right. Specifically. Yep. Saying because they wanted, she to be was a, really, they wanted attention, Robbie. Yeah. She was mad because they were trying to find out the truth of 9-11. And... I think that the media's approach to the Jersey widows wasn't even to criticize them. It was to ignore them right. because they had a very serious, legit case and grievance against the U S government that was blocked and, you know, blockaded every angle. And, th- and now some of those people actually have a chance and Saudi Arabia is just trying to escalate us into more world war three style activity. It's just like, wow, that's really uh, crazy that they're, you're trying. Now we're bombing Yemen. The bombs keep dropping, and it's the poorest country in the Middle East. There's so many people just in dire need of food, aid. We, they also bombed like the main bridge that brings all the aid to the people in Sana or whatever. I mean, it's completely outrageous that this is happening. Not one peep. I haven't seen one person talk about this other than BBC, because unlike our media, the most acquiescent, subservient media of all time, um, BBC actually does report sometimes on the crimes of its government. And so I actually saw it on BBC. I was like, wow, that's shocking. You would never see this kind of coverage on U.S. media. Yeah. And then sometimes, I mean, it's weird because sometimes it's things slip through. Like, yeah. for example, just back to the Russia Trump thing for a second. The Washington Post uh, had a guy who immediately wrote a rebuttal to the Kurt Eichenwald article. 
but it was like the only one out of like everybody else repeating it. Yeah. You know, like it was like one out of like a hundred, you know, you go on Google News and you barely could see, see it. See, that's so. the thing also that people need to understand about the media. It's not like a hundred percent like top down lists going like we saw on out Fox. It's like exactly like you're saying, like sometimes that will eke through like a producer of the day will just be like, yeah, like let's put this out. Everyone else is talking about this or like 60 minutes is a good example of how there is the there is that in the revenue um, that will allow like a piece of investigative journalism every week. You know what I mean? It's like those things yeah. do happen. So it's not, it's just important to not paint the media with a broad brush and be like, everything's controlled. It's all like a conspiracy. It's like, that's not true. It's just that the people act in their own interests. No. They're all self-serving careerists and they know, and they also buy into it. <laughs> yeah. They also buy into it. That's the, that's the part that I don't think people realize <laughs> right. is all these people are, not necessarily pawns. They're like willing participants yeah. by believing it. And um, yeah, and it's like there, but the luckily there are still good journalists out there who are still have positions at some of these big organizations like James Risen, right? For example, right. the New York Times. And, you know, so there's, there are still possibilities for these things to come out. It's just, but yeah, you have to see it. You can't see it like, oh, it's just all, they're all getting, you know, told what to say. It's not, it's actually more, and in a weird way, more disturbing than that. Right. Exactly. Um, I wanted to wrap this up a little bit because we, we are going to go see the movie later um, in a little bit, but I wanted to bring up something that was completely under the radar and it's not the Gitmo thing. We should, we should actually do another podcast, Robbie, this weekend and talk about the rest of this stuff. But um, the, the fake propaganda. So this is, this is insane. Um, not only did I just read about how the Pentagon and mind you, this is one government department and this is just on record. Like this is just on paper. God knows what, what else is happening out there at the black budget and whatnot. But the Pentagon spent $626 million on propagandizing its aggressive foreign policy, basically whitewashing its, its actions, masking as humanitarian around the world in one year. Um, in any given year, this is the amount that they spend. This was fiscal year 2015. But that is actually one thing. Okay, that that's like kind of believable. You're like, well, of course, the Pentagon's propagandizing around the world and and whatever, whatever to us. This got completely under the radar. Um, talking about Wag the Dog, the Pentagon paid a PR firm five hundred and forty million dollars to make fake terrorist videos. Let me repeat that. The Pentagon paid a P PR firm half a billion billion dollars to make fake terrorist videos in Iraq in a secret propaganda campaign exposed by the Bureau of Investigative Journalism. The PR firm was called Bell Pottinger, known for its array of controversial clients, including the Saudi government, Chilean dictator Augusto Pinochet's foundation, and has been working in concert with the U.S. military to create propaganda in a secretive operation. So here's the thing is we don't know what videos are fake. It's just so so like uh, such a mindfuck and in, in, in so many ways to just say like wait so half a billion dollars that's a shitload of money um videos don't take that much like really hd quality like movie style quality videos aren't that expensive actually like everyone can get a no, look canon you know like it's like what are you spending half a fucking billion dollars on it and what videos are fake like what is happening here I mean, it seems like they must be just hiring a lot of people. And I don't know, like, are they building sets? Are they Yeah. Were are they hiring Americans to write the scripts and then hiring translators over there to like get at local actors? 
are they i mean like there's so many questions that we need to know about it it says that, that uh, they created tv so ads showing al-qaeda in a negative light and then they would be sent out to like film bombings and then edit them to make it look like news footage they also crafted scripts for arabic soap operas they created fake al-qaeda propaganda videos see that that's the most important thing is fake al-qaeda propaganda videos like remember when you and ben and like made that fake video of you guys just like on a jungle gym it's like this it just reminds me of this it's like what is actually happening here absolutely i mean i showed a french tv uh uh, channel my video of it um like in like 2008 i actually showed them it and they filmed it and aired this special about it um i've never released that video because i you know the fbi probably um would have been like you know they probably would have done something i i think at that point if we had like released that right afterwards. oh yeah oh yeah so but i mean that's that was out there a long time right. ago and it was really convincing looking you know and it, I mean, it doesn't take much. It really doesn't. There's plenty of places where you can go shoot these things, but it does, it is really fascinating because it's like, well, wait a second. So the idea that like ISIS, some ISIS videos might be faked is now a possibility too, you know, Dude, I but don't which, even know. but which ones, I mean, it's, it is really fascinating. And I've watched, I went through a lot of really grisly, awful, um, uncensored ISIS videos and, I mean, I don't think it would even take very much of a budget to do what they're doing with, like you said, like a nice Canon, um, mm-hmm. like DSLR camera, and um, you know, and that's it, pretty much. And some guy, somebody who knows how to do post production, like right. on a video editing right. program, After Effects. So yeah, I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of crazy shit going on. I would just advise everyone to just keep critical, keep questioning everything, and don't fall prey to this binary focus of the election where you're just terrified of Trump or terrified of Clinton. Look. They're both terrible in, in many, many ways. And I think that the, this election, above all, should be the protest vote against these assholes. Plenty of progressives in the race, Gloria LaRiva, Eugene Perrier in many ballots, Jill Stein in many um, ballots across, across the U.S. So, I mean, full swing, we should be protesting against the two candidates. Because if you keep falling victim to the lesser two evils, they're just going to keep absolving your vote and shifting more to the right and using it as like a blank check for them this is what's happened for the last couple decades i would argue it's always happened it's never absolutely 100 to vote for the lesser two evils yeah and i honestly do think yes the president is you know instrumental in making decisions and stuff but i think regardless of if trump or hillary gets in whatever agenda is happening right now that the u.s government and pentagon and all these people are doing it's going to continue probably almost virtually the same right so this idea that trump is somehow anti-war there's anti the iraq war all that stuff it's phony i mean he just blows in the wind like anybody else um occasionally he say things very unfiltered that sound like they're buffing the establishment but he's just more it's just more like his brash personality it's not really he's a principled person in any way right so i mean both All of them are clay candidates. need to chill out. Mm-hmm. They're so phony. I mean, come on. <laughs> Did you hear Trump saying like if he didn't, if he doesn't win, he'll consider it an act. He was just like, it'll be a complete and total waste of time. 
He's like, the only thing no. that matters is just winning. It's like this guy, just like a complete self-serving billionaire. Like he's just selfish as hell. You think that he cares about building a movement? I was just, it's, it's all just so phony. Like you said, I wanted to wrap yeah. it up by saying the last podcast we did about Palestine got great feedback from it. Um, I really encourage everyone to check out the first two episodes of our Palestine series. The first one is how Palestine became colonized. So it's really the roots of the conflict, the roots of Zionism, how it all happened. People think that it started in 1947 with the creation of Israel. It actually started much, um, it, it started well before that. Um, and, it, and it started with basically the idea of um, just a, kind of an imperial conquest of, of, you know, the uncivilized barbaric people in the Middle East and just perpetrating this whole clash of civilizations bullshit until today. And then the, the infant year of the state of Israel was just widespread massacres and a completely disproportionate death uh, toll on Palestinians. And, and that's the root of why there's so many refugees today is, is the Nakba. And so we explain all of that. And for people who think that it's an equal fight, really just need to watch that. And it explains that famous map where you see the four stages of how Palestine ended up in like three just small dots today. Um, and then the Palestine inside Palestine's refugee camps, um, the Empire Files teams take you. The Empire Files team takes you inside of two of the most attacked refugee camps in the West Bank, Aida and Balata, and um, it's just really intense. And it kind of gives you a firsthand look at how life really is and why there's so many refugees living inside Palestine, just miles away from the villages villages they were ethnically cleansed from. So. Everyone check that out on Telesaur English and on Empire Files YouTube um, and on yeah, Facebook. It's really, I've, I only watched the first part of it so far and it is fucking amazing. Thanks, It's dude. such a good historical breakdown of, I mean, it's, it's, there's so many things I didn't know in it. Um, and I think most people probably don't know them either of just how we got to this point in Palestine. Yeah. I mean, in, in Israel and, and the situation there. Totally. Totally. Um, and I have a new website up for a very heavy agenda. Um, I, uh, you know, I'm pretty much pouring any of the, the, the change I'm making off of the movie back into the project. Um, so check out the website. It's got all the trailers up there. It has all the reviews. Um, if you want a screener copy or a preview copy, um, you know, please get in contact with me. I'd be happy to give you one if you wanted to write a little thing about it or, um, and then uh, please donate to Media Roots um, through our new Patreon donation link, which we'll post um, at the bottom, or you'll see the the, the link under this uh, podcast. Um, and uh, you can get a monthly subscription to pay whatever you want. You can give us a dollar a month. Um, the Media Roots podcast will most likely always be free, um, but we could really use your help Um because we spent a lot of time and resources on it. And, uh, and thank you for listening. Thanks so much. Yeah. Everyone check out my brother's new website. It's super awesome. And the box set is so dope. It's just like a professional movie box set that you would get at, you know, a blockbuster or something. It's just really good looking and really great. And anyone who hasn't checked out the full three part series absolutely needs to, because it's really more relevant than ever before it's in full force right now. My brother basically predicted all of this uh, last year. Um, so it's pretty creepy to see it all coming to fruition today. And it's even more of a reason that we need to be on guard, calling out the bullshit like we see it, setting the record straight and really just reminding everyone to take a step back. 
um, because things can escalate really, really quickly. And for anyone who actually lived through the Cold War, I can't even imagine. I know that, you know, mom still has nightmares of this apocalyptic scenario of her getting under her desk and having trying to escape the house and stuff. I mean, this thing, it never leaves you. It never leaves you. Do we really want to grow up in an era where we're at odds now with another nuclear power? I mean, it's just completely insane. We should be talking about disarming, you know? Absolutely. So let's just. I mean, that was what. And 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 it's just so scary the way we're acting like Russia is this threat to the world because it's like it's so obvious at this point to anyone paying attention that America is so being acting overly aggressive right now and bizarre and everybody in the country is having almost like a delusional like manic episode at once about this Russia shit. I've never heard of Russians being this paranoid. They're typically a little more conspiratorial and more paranoid than us, like the like society there. But this is almost like at a level I've never have never experienced before. It is worse than nine eleven, and everybody needs to cool down a little bit and just try to take a, a deep breath, do some yoga, mm-hmm. maybe try doing some meditation, do something. And maybe even unplug from the internet. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're listening, to, I know this is too late to say this, but if you're listening to this podcast and you find yourself getting like really anxious and stressed out, just turn it off and like turn it, check it out the next day or something if you want to hear the rest of it. Yeah, you don't need to, mm-hmm. you know, if you can't, if you don't want to fight it or whatever, then just try to like soothe yourself right now. That's all you can do. Take a hike, go out in nature and realize how much more there is than fake allegations about Russia and I know that there's it is really hard to admit that your country is um, an empire and it's the biggest destabilizing destructive force in the world I get that I understand it's a hard pill to swallow and I also understand that it's a really hard pill to swallow that the elections are completely fake and totally rigged but you shouldn't have the knee-jerk reaction to just like hysterically blame Russia for all of our problems I think that there's a lot of problems that we can fix here so yeah I mean Definitely just uh, talk to your friends and family because that's where it starts is in our own neighborhoods and and get active in the streets. There's a lot of cool things going on and uh, get involved, get involved in the good side of history. Yeah. And, (laughs) you know, just, um, you know, instead of arguing with people in your family and trying to, you know, burn bridges because your family members or some of them might be supporting Trump or Hillary, just kind of just enjoy your family and your loved ones and. You know, exactly. I mean, it's the election is so stressful. So that to me is more important than arguing about who's going to, you know, why you support Hillary or Trump, uh, in my opinion. Totally. Totally. Well said. Well, yeah, donate. We're going to put a Patreon up soon for the for the podcast. But donate in the meantime and let me know if if everything's working out with the site. Um, MediaRoots.org, VeryHeavyAngenda.com and TheEmpireFiles.tv. Y'all. Yeah. Buenas noches. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.